At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Modern Adventurer podcast. Coming up. Uh, most of the challenges I do are pretty miserable while I'm doing them, to be honest. It's very, it's very rare that I'm having a good time. Uh, and if I'm having a good time, it means I'm not pushing hard enough. So, uh, yeah, for the most time, it, it was tough. But actually, doing stuff in Britain is heartwarming. It restores your faith in humanity. You know, everyone's so friendly. and People understand distances. When you say, oh, I'm running from Scarborough to Brighton, people go, whoa, they understand what you mean. And it's, it really engages with people and makes the whole journey quite quite fun and exciting to do stuff. I'm John Horstall and on this weekly podcast we talk to adventurers and explorers from around the world who have gone on some incredible adventures in recent years. My hope is that this podcast inspires you to get out and go on your own adventure. But before we start, I am building a community of adventurous people so it would be great if you signed up to our monthly newsletter at zebraadventures.com where I'll show you behind the scenes, I do giveaways, and offering you the opportunity to come on an adventure. Now, on with the show. My next guest is a Zimbabwean ultra-endurance athlete who became the first person to cycle, swim, and run the length of Great Britain, from Land's End to John O'Groats. In 2016, he completed the world's longest triathlon, a 4,200-mile journey around the coast of Great Britain. I am delighted to introduce Sean Conway to the show. Thank you very much, mate. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Well, great to have you on. And, I mean, the sort of adventures that you have done over, I mean, the years now counting, absolutely incredible. Um, How did this sort of love of adventure sort of come about? I've always had an adventurous sort of side to me. But I, I, I kind of buried it in my 20s, not really kind of feeling that it had any purpose or use in my life. I just thought it was a, a frivolous notion to think adventurously and it was a kind of a waste of time because it was pretty selfish and, and, you know, there's more important things to do like earn money and buy food and, you know, all those sort of things. So it was always in me, but I never really scratched my adventurous itch until I was 30, really. Ah, and um, so in your 20s, because I read that you sold your business for one pound uh, with the sole purpose of pursuing your passion. Yeah, so actually you can see it behind me, that framed uh, pound note behind me there on the wall is uh, is the Jersey pound note that James Carnegie uh, gave to me uh, when he bought my shares in our company. <laughs> and um, 
Well, it's interesting. So I, I, it wasn't to pursue a passion. I had no, no direction. I knew I wanted to go traveling. Um, I always thought photography was going to be that passport to travel for me. Um, but I've fallen out of love with it in my 20s. So I was just thinking outside the box. I just thought, well, how can I go traveling? I, you know, how, what can I do that will allow me to go traveling? And the only thing I could think of was actually if I, maybe I broke some sort of record in the world of travel, I get some sponsorship maybe, <laughs> you know, that was it. <laughs> so I thought of, I thought of this, the round the world cycling record um, and it was part of the world's ever round the world bike, first ever round the world bike race in 2012. Uh, entered that and then managed to get some funding to pay for flights and, and you know food while I was away and that sort of set me off on this path really. Was that when a whole group of people went round and I think he did it in like 82 days or something? So what the no back then so 2012 the record was at the time 127 days just before we started um and most people were kind of trying to, to do it in sub 100 days um i got run over so i was out of the race pretty early on um but my call won that and i think he did it in 107 days in the end with the, the new guinness rules which mean you can't stop the clock he actually did it in 90 something 92 93 days with the old rules where you can stop the clock um so yeah, yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty tough race, but it was um, it's what I needed, you know. I just needed some excitement. I needed to, to push myself physically and mentally, and and that was a pretty pretty in the deep end way to do it. But I'm glad I did it that way, you know. So you got hit by a car, and then you were like, right, I love this. Well, no, I was going to come home, of course. You know, you have a serious accident with a compression fracture in my spine and stuff. Um, but then I thought. You know, no one gets two opportunities to cycle around the world, unless you're Mark Beaumont, show off. <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, uh, this is my chance, you know, what, what, let me, I've got to carry on and raise money for charity. And, and that became my new focus. But secretly, you know, the records is, is what really kind of gets me going. Uh, nice. And so um, you sort of started pursuing these passions and you what your idea was very much to look at records and just try and break them well no initially the the idea was to go traveling for a year and get someone else to pay for it you know by by way of sponsorship through trying to break a record so that was it that was it <clears throat> finished the round the world cycle got home tried to get back into everyday employment you know went to the job center signed on the doll went for interviews just tried everything for like nearly a year I was just getting no interviews nothing you know bearing in mind I was 31 years old and I have no A-levels and I didn't go to university so <laughs> it was uh it was a tough sell and you know I wouldn't employ me to be honest and I had no CV you know what have you ever done I photographed school kids <laughs> which was my job before I was a school portrait photographer um so I eventually thought after a year, like, well, maybe if I just try and break another record, at least it'll get me out of the house for six months. <laughs> you know, and when I say house, I was living with my mother in a one-bedroom apartment in um, in Cheltenham. So yeah, so that's when I thought of swimming the length of Britain, um, just to kind of give me something to do. To be honest. <laughs> Good. And um, how did that go? Well, the swim was 
Well, I mean, in the end it went well because I finished it. (laughs) (laughs) But the whole process of swimming 900 miles up the west coast of Britain, half of it in winter, is, I I can assure you, not much fun. Um, But, you know, it was the challenge that I'll always look back on and realise that's the one that changed my life because it just gave me the confidence to go off and pursue other goals. It gave me opportunities to write books, which I absolutely love, which I probably wouldn't have have done that or not done that swim. And I wouldn't have realised the joy you get of publishing your own book, you know. Um, So, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, you know, I look back now and go, well, actually, that was was pretty cool. (laughs) And so um, with um, that swim, that sort of, transported you into the sort of world or or career let's say of adventure um what sort of happened after that because you then went on to break a world record in your 4200 mile triathlon yeah so well after the swim uh because i'd cycled lands and groats and swam it i decided to do the run and the run was to do the first ever length of britain triathlon which was just a bit of fun, to be honest, you know, it was nothing serious. I just wanted to see what it would be like running a thousand miles from John O'Groats back down to Land's End. And, um, yeah, after that, I really got this bug for sort of doing different disciplines. I, I wasn't really in, I couldn't choose basically whether I wanted to do only swimming, only cycling or only running. So I like this idea of doing a long triathlon and it turns out there's a world record for triathlons. And, and it was 3,200 miles, maybe. Uh, so I just upped that to 4,200 miles and did it around the coast of Britain. And yeah, that took 80, whew, 85, 88, I can't remember now, in the 80s days. Um, doing a, was a 3,500-mile bike ride, 800-mile uh, run, and then a 120-mile swim, which up until a month ago was the longest self-supported swim in history. Um, but yeah, it's just been broken, that record, uh, finally. <laughs> I can't believe it took so long. Um, and yeah, so that was that kind of got me into sort of doing multidiscipline stuff, which I really enjoy. I kind of like the challenge of doing different sports, you know. What were the sort of amazing moments from that trip, did you find? <laughs> um to be honest, most of the trip, uh, most of the challenges I do are pretty miserable while I'm doing them, to be honest. It's very, it's very rare that I'm having a good time. Uh, and if I'm having a good time, it means I'm not pushing hard enough. So, uh, yeah, for the most time, it, it was tough. But actually, doing stuff in Britain is heartwarming. It restores your faith in humanity. You know, everyone's so friendly. and People understand distances. When you say, oh, I'm running from Scarborough to Brighton, people go, whoa, they understand what you mean. And it's it really engages with people and makes the whole journey quite quite fun and exciting to do stuff um, in a country where people speak the same language as you and understand everything you're talking about, you know. Because if I said to you, do you know, once I cycled from Townsville in Australia to Mount Isa, you'd go, what? I mean, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> you know, whereas when you do stuff in Britain, everyone's like, wow, that's cool, you know. So I really had a, a good time sharing the journeys I've done in the UK, you know. Uh, so I imagine you had a few sort of terrible moments along the way, though, <laughs> by the sounds of it. Because you, yeah. you, you grew your beard to protect you from jellyfish. 
That is true. Yeah, that is true. So way back in 2013 when I swam the length of Britain, after a couple of weeks of getting stuck, I obviously started clean shaven because that's what swimmers look like. So I just copied them, you know, like, well, well, you know, um, and then I didn't shave for a couple of, for a week and then realized when I would, where I had a bit of stubble, I wasn't getting stung as much. So I just thought, right, that's it. I'm going to grow this anti jellyfish protection beard. And that's kind of, it kind of stuck ever since. And, and then I met my wife and she's, we had this rule from the first day we met, we weren't allowed to Google each other. Um, and actually we weren't allowed, we only became Facebook friends after we were married, you know. So we, 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 we'd have no idea about each other's online lives, which was a, a nice way to do it, you know. So anyway, she's never seen me without a beard, ever. Not in pictures, not in anything. And she likes the beard, so I'm kind of concerned if I get rid of it now, it'll lead to divorce. <laughs> it's here to stay, I think. <laughs> So what were the sort of moments um, along the way which you probably don't look back in sort of fond memory in terms of what were the sort of lows of that trip did you find? Oh, so on the triathlon or the swim? Uh, The triathlon or both. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, swimming in in British waters, even in the summer, day in and day out is pretty miserable. You know, on the triathlon, I was sleeping. It was self-supported, so I was sleeping on the beach getting up at 4am to catch the tide, putting on a freezing cold wetsuit, you know, that that's not much fun. Um, you know, finding places to camp up in Scotland every night, you know, sleeping in drain pipes. And I once slept in a in an advertising trailer, you know, those ones they park on bridges. It was, it was actually a perfect tent. You could crawl in, you could fit my bike in. <laughs> um, you know, those, those are sort of the tough day, but it's, it's sort of the, you know, I'm pretty blinkered when I do these records. You know, I'm not looking and smelling the roses. I'm, I'm head down. You know, it's physical effort. It's trying to perform at the highest I can for that sort of distance. You know, this is not red line heart rate stuff. This is plodding along, just keeping a tempo. You know, minimizing your your rest stops. You know, I was, I'd give myself like 13 minutes to stop and eat food and and that sort of thing, and I'd give myself the same sort of time from when my alarm went in the morning to be on the bike or on the trail um, a little bit longer to get into my wetsuit every day. But uh, yeah, it's just minimizing time off the bike and off your shoes just to try and get these records. So it's very, you know, very just grind, 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 you know, because to do something for 85 days, it takes a lot of sort of mental effort to keep motivated for that long, you know? Yeah. Um, And so... What actually does sort of motivate you where to keep going when times are sort of tough? Crossing the finish line, that really helps. You know, I find that trying to get that record is, is enough of a motivating factor to, to help me keep going. Um, and also, I'm, I'm mostly self-supported. So, you know, if I'm halfway through a record, I might be in the middle of Russia, for example, on my Across Europe cycling record. If I decide to give up, it's not like I'll just have a camper van magically whisk me away. You know, I'm still stuck in the middle of Russia, <laughs> you know, so I might as well just carry on cycling. Um, so that's kind of kind of keeps me going, you know, that, that end goal, really. And so you do all these sort of self-supported solo expeditions. Why is solo travel important and why do you like solo travel? Um because I'm intolerable to other people, I think. <laughs> um, I'm very focused in, in the goals I have. And unless you align 
perfectly with those goals. You find me very annoying, basically. So it's just easier for everyone if I just go off and do it on my own. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's that's the main reason. And I, I enjoy my own company. I enjoy the, the, the goals and the challenges involved, the solo stuff. Um, and it makes the reward for me at the end you know, all the more better, even though I often, when I finish these records, I'm often just by myself somewhere in the middle of Russia going, oh, well, I've done it now. Thanks. Right. And I've got to find a flight home somehow. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say when you said crossing the finishing line, because most of these expeditions that, you know, people and we do, it's very much, there's no sort of finishing line. It's sort of, you know, the sort of pub or the post office, which is in the middle of nowhere. And so you sort of cross it, you're like, Oh, done that. Okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Now, how do I get home? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, exactly. And, and it's for me, it's it's not about having this big sort of hugging, cheering moment with loads of crowds of people. For me, it's just oh, I had a goal to break a record. I broke the record. Brilliant. Um, now, what's what's the next one I can go for? You know. Yeah. So um, I imagine when you saw, let's say, Ross Edgley swim round. The whole of the United Kingdom, you must have thought, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just like, man, you're an idiot. Why go for that? That's such a miserable one. Um, yeah, no, I was waiting for someone to do that swim. I'm surprised it took so long. It was five or six years, pretty much, um, before someone had a crack at that swim. Um, because it was totally doable. It was totally achievable. Um, you know, just have a bigger support boat start a month earlier than I did and you would easy easy break my record and, and that's exactly what he did he did those two things so um yeah he's uh yeah and he's a he's a monster isn't he <laughs> <laughs> I know he certainly has uh I mean he's enormous <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so your sort of plan at the moment with these sort of adventures is to keep pushing yourself or where where is it sort of taking you yeah that's interesting I haven't really thought it through what the long-term goal in, in my records are going to be because obviously at some point I'm physically not going to be able to compete like in any sport you get older uh, and and you just you lose the power and, and you get injured more and, and things like that um, some things you still you get better at like running ultra running so I think I'd like to maybe move towards ultra running I'm turning 40 in, in, in April so I'd like to maybe do a bit more running um, but I might start just doing more storytelling rather than breaking records. You know, I'm really, I really love my writing. I've written six, seven, six or seven books now. Um, and I love that. I, I'm, I used to be a photographer, so I'm really getting into my filmmaking. So I, I can see myself doing a little bit more filmmaking things. I really enjoy that. Um, so yeah, I haven't really thought it through. I've had this big project on the go since 2000 and early 2019. Um, and it's obviously all been delayed and postponed now. So that's my focus. The next big thing, which is top secret, of course. <laughs> but, um, I think after that I'll be, you know, early, early mid forties. And I, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm very, what adventure has taught me is we're a lot more resilient and, and resourceful then, then we all give ourselves credit for. So I, yeah, I always kind of just figure something will work out. You know, I'll think of something, and and then once I think of it, I'm blinkers, and and I'll just go for it. You know. So how do you prepare for these sort of expeditions? Is it very much you have the idea and you're like, right, I'm going for it, or is it a sort of 
long process of the initial idea and then moving it into reality over the space of a couple of years? A bit of a mixture, depending on the records, depending on who else is going for the records. So some records, you know, for example, my Across Europe Cycling World Record, I really needed to do that pretty quickly because other people I knew were going for it and the record was just going to get harder and harder and harder. So, you know, those sort of ones you just quickly kind of try and put together in, in three or four months, really. Um, although that record I failed the first time, so the whole process was, was about a year. Um, but, the, you know, certainly pulling it off the ground, I could do now in, yeah, four, four months probably. Um, but some take longer, you know, some uh, take a lot longer to fund and get funding for them. Um, and logistics and, and things like that and fitness you know some take just much longer to train for so you know it all depends it all depends I've got a long list of records and things I want to do and you know some I've probably missed the boat on because I'm maybe a little bit old for them now and I don't have that speed anymore um, but some I'm a bit too young for so I'm going to wait until I'm a bit older um, so it, it's kind of nice having having a range of goals and not wanting to do them all right now you know what was the record around Europe? Was it around Europe or across Europe? So it's the there's two cycling records for Europe. There's north to south and east to west. And I was going for the east to west record. So from the edge of Portugal to Ufa in Russia, which is on the Ural Mountains, which is the bit where Russia becomes uh, Asia from Europe to Asia. Yeah. There's a part of the show where we ask the same five questions each week. Um, with the first is, on your trips, what's the one gadget or item that you always bring? Uh, the one thing I take on every single trip, and it's even on the small trips where I don't need a lot of tech and a lot of navigation and stuff, is a is my adventure mascot. <laughs> <laughs> He's called the Little Flying Cow. It's a little toy cow I got in a charity shop for one pound back in 2008. And yeah, he's been everywhere with me. So I will, uh, I'll never go anywhere without the little flying car. And actually, I'm currently doing a challenge called the 496 challenge, where in January, you run one kilometer on day one, 2k on day two, 3k on day three, and so on. If you add that all up, you eventually run 496k. And he's on my backpack um, for each of those runs as well. So yeah, the little flying car, check him out on Instagram at adventure mascot. I somehow managed to get that tag back in the day <laughs> so check them out uh, have you got him there with you i do actually i'll see if i can reach over there we go as i said he's on the back of my rucksack for my runs at the moment so, <laughs> yeah there he is <laughs> amazing <laughs> um what is your favorite adventure book Oh, Shackleton's story, I would say, is probably, you know, one of the ones that you just go, whoa, I mean, just, they had so many things against them. Um, yeah, I would say any books that document Shackleton's uh, journey is, is pretty amazing. Another one I really love is, is a guy called George Mahood. He and his mate decided to try and do Land's End to John O'Groats with no money. Uh, or nothing. They started with no clothes. They just had their boxer shorts down in Land's End, and they every single day they would offer to wash dishes in pubs for food and accommodation, and then eventually got given a scooter and then a bicycle. And yeah, it was, it was a really good book. It's called Free Country. George Mahood, Free Country. Check that one out as well. I, I think I remember that. That was sort of back 
10 years ago or so. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, that, was, that was quite funny. <laughs> um, why are adventures important to you? Personally, um, they give me focus and I'm, I need focus. I need big long-term goals in my life. Otherwise, I get frustrated um, uh, and I need variety, which is why I like changing disciplines. So for me, they just give me give me something to chase. We all need something to chase in life. It's super important. Just find anything, chase it. And honestly, the rewards are so good. Yeah, the sort of idea of if you're not, if you don't have a goal, you're just treading water. Yeah, exactly. But um, but, it, but goal is. You know, it's got to be bigger than the word goal, I think. It's too easy to say, oh, just have goals and go for them. But, like, I like the word chase. You've got to chase something. You know, you're not just working towards a goal. You're chasing it. Like, really be passionate about it. Be relentless, you know. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite quote? Uh, I'm going to arrogantly uh, say one of my own quotes. <laughs> <laughs> um which is adventure in its is is not just um, is, adventure isn't all about climbing mountains and rowing oceans. Adventure in its purest form is simply a way of thinking, and for me, I, I really resonate with that. You know, just if you just think more adventurously, it'll lead to living a, a more fulfilled life, and that can be just you know the food you buy in the supermarket, you know, whatever it is, how you get to work each day. You know, if you add the word adventure in there, you know, be more adventurous, then then you just live a, a more f- fun existence, I think. Okay, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, people listening are always keen to travel and go on sort of these big grand adventures. How does one become an adventurer? <laughs> I don't think I'm not really an adventurer, to be fair. I get classed as one, but actually I'm an ultra-endurance athlete, so... Um, if you want to become in the, in the sense of an adventurer, so you want to earn money from traveling places, um, right? So that if you want to become an adventurer, I guess that's the goal, right? You, you go do things and you get, somehow get paid for it. Um, you basically got to be a storyteller, I think, foremost. If you want to earn money from adventure stuff, you got to do something that becomes a good story that people want to invest in. And either they want to, when I say invest, they, I mean, they could fund it from a sponsorship point of view. They could buy the book about it at the end. So they're investing something there. They could pay to come and hear you talk. They could download a film you make about it. But that's basically what it boils down to is becoming a good storyteller. And for me, the records are, is my angle. You know, you might choose to do history. You might choose to do science. You might choose to do social social adventures where you engage more people. Um, whatever it is. You might choose just to do mountains. You know, whatever it is, have a story and tell it well and people will be interested in, in, in following it. Okay. That's good. Um, what are you doing now and how can people follow you? Right now, as I said earlier, I'm doing a thing called the 496 Challenge which is, as I said, you run 1K on the 1st of January, 2K on the 2nd of January, and so on. Uh, As we speak, it's the 12th of January, so I'm doing 12K today, and it's really ramping up. In fact, the first 12 days, 
um, is the same mileage as the last two days nearly. <laughs> so it's really, you know, back ends January. So it's going to be pretty tough that last week, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it. So yeah, check it out on, on Instagram, Sean Conway Adventure on Instagram. Um, and Or check the hashtag, when you're out, you're in. Uh, or the 496 challenge. That's, uh, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be tough. <laughs> I've also given myself different challenges within each day. So, you know, like on the 9K, I went and ran a route that made a picture of a running man. So I went and went to a mountain and did this big, long route. And when you looked at it from above, it was a running man. Today, it's called a run and write day. So it's I've got to run 6K and write something. And then I can only turn back home once I've written this thing. So I'm going to try and write a poem or something about running. Uh, so every day is something different, which kind of makes it a little bit more exciting. On one day, I did litter picking, for example, as well. So it's quite a fun challenge, actually. And I can do it during lockdown from home, which is great, you know. Yeah, I have to say some of the photography or the places that you run around are truly spectacular. Oh, yeah. Like, you live Wales. in such an amazing place. Yeah, North Wales. I, I, I love North Wales. You know, not only do you have amazing stuff here, you know, you've got mountains, you've got beaches, um, you're also geographically right in the middle of the UK. I'm not too far into North Wales. I'm near the English border. Um, so getting around, you know, getting to Scotland's not a ball eight, getting to, to Cornwall's easy. Um, you've got the peaks just here. You've got Snowdonia, of course, the Lake District's not too far. So actually geographically, I, I absolutely love it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, What's cool? How how do you think? Um, how does it sort of compare with your sort of upbringing in Zimbabwe? <laughs> well, there's less lions around <laughs> and elephants, so that's a big difference. <laughs> oh, it's it's completely different. You know, I grew up. My my father's a rhino conservationist, so I grew up in these big game reserves, um, chasing elephants out the garden and, and that sort of thing. Living a pretty outdoors life it's warm all year round it's it's really hot all year round so it's very different um but i like the seasons you know i really like winter i like having a bit of snow once or twice a year gets you excited about it um i like you know britain in the summer is amazing you know it's absolutely the best island in the world to be in in the summer and but then i like the winter i like making my my log fire and you know mulled wine at christmas and and things like that because in in the southern hemisphere you know Christmas is the middle of summer, so it's a very different, <laughs> different experience. So, um, yeah, it's it's very different, but I I do love the UK. It's just that the opportunities here are so much so much better, you know. Yeah, and I suppose um, when COVID's over, Corona lockdown's finished. Um, what's your big adventure next? Oh, <laughs> oh if only I could tell. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I got a big one coming up. I was meant to, I was meant to be finishing it around about now, um, but of course it's been postponed. So probably be postponed till next year. Um, and there's, that's all I could talk about, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's big. It's big. It's the biggest thing I've ever done um, from a time point of view. So yeah, it's annoying because I've done two, three big training blocks for it, and then had to postpone. So. I guess month of January now this 496 challenge is, is my third big training block um, which will hopefully be useful for something fitness based down the line but for now it's just a bit of fun you know. 
I guess we'll have to uh, follow you and wait and find out. Yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to your stories. Well, thanks for having me, mate. Yeah, it's always good to, to share the love and keep adventuring everyone. Get out there and stay safe, you know. Yeah. And uh, we'll be following your adventures or whatever this big grand adventure is in the future. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Cheers, mate. Nice one. Cheers. Next time on the Modern Adventurer podcast. I really had just three months there to get my head around some of these issues and what, you know, what was really my passion and what I'm interested in. So in that respect, you know, in that time, I learned very quickly that it is very much all about community-led conservation in that the whole picture is about people and elephants. Thank you for listening. You can watch the podcast on YouTube now and don't forget to sign up for our monthly newsletter at zebraadventures.com. I hope to see you next time for another fascinating tale of adventure. But till then, have a great day and happy adventures. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.